Welcome back to Radical Ones. I'm your host, Xander Schultz. I'm excited to bring in a uh, person that's from another part of my world. Uh, you're from the wrestling world. I'm not sure how many listeners know this, but my dad was an Olympic champion wrestler. Same with my uncle. And now we're bringing on my guy, JB, Jordan Burroughs. Phineas, you want to introduce Jordan? Yeah, I'm going to do, do it quickly and then try to step out of the way. Today we're speaking with Jordan Burroughs, who is arguably the most accomplished American wrestler in history. He is an American freestyle wrestler. He is the 2012 Olympic gold medalist, a four-time world champion. The accolades beyond that are a a really long list of accolades beyond that. But ultimately, he's somebody that's been winning at a high level for more than 10 years or in a sport where that doesn't happen too. in a sport where your peak is usually pretty short. You get one, they call in wrestling, you age in Olympic cycles. So you get one Olympic cycle. Usually you get a few, few world teams you can make and you go after one Olympic championship. And, uh, Jordan sustained a level of excellence for a period of time, probably the greatest like 10 year stint in American wrestling history. Yeah, and the the conversation that you two have is about personal excellence. Totally, the, he's running around during the conversation, so the audio, you'll hear some background noise and stuff. But <laughs> it's a fascinating conversation because of what you two share and your history together. Yeah, and so you have this kinship that I think you should elaborate on for the listeners a little bit more. Yeah. So so my dad's also when I talk about that like sustained greatness, my dad's also in that conversation of like you know sustained greatness by an American uh, wrestler. And wrestling, like a lot of like sports niches, like the folks at the top are really close. It feels like family. When I go to the NCAA championships or when I go to the world championships, it almost feels like a family reunion. I feel bad for the, uh, the people in charge of keeping spectators in their seats at that, <laughs> those things. Cause it's useless. It's like, it's like a barbecue, you know, everyone's going everywhere. Um, and so I've gotten to get pretty close with Jordan over the, you know, the last few years here. Um, and yeah, I think Jordan, I was really interested, like our show is usually about like, how are you affecting the world outside of yourself? But I think there's, there's value to folks who have accomplished so much and just sharing that and just helping us figure out how we can get more out of ourselves. And that sustained excellence doesn't happen by accident. Maybe you can be really athletic and have a good year you know, or two years, but to do it year in and year out, you know, he, he's gone through a lot professionally and so kind of to to weather all the things that happen over the course of a decade and still perform at that level, we all have something to learn from that. Also, Jordan was like, not for nothing, he wasn't considered a prodigy. He he was not uh, one of these guys in wrestling. There's lots of guys who come out as like three-time, four-time state champs, you know. That's usually what you hear from these guys who are making the world team, et cetera, you know. Uh, three-time NCAA champs. I think Jordan won one NCAA's uh, championship maybe his senior year. And then he got on this roll. And he kept getting better and better and better. And so what does that look like? Like when he has to deconstruct that, what couple things would he pass on that we can all take with us? So I wanted to, I wanted to bring you on and talk about personal excellence. And usually when I start these things, I say, you know, can you describe the problem you're solving? But with personal excellence, it's a little different for everyone in terms of like the problems you felt like you had to conquer to get to this level and then stay at this level. 
And so I wonder for you, like what problems, when you think about internal problems, did you have to solve to elevate and sustain here? I mean, that's a great question. At every level you encounter new obstacles that you face that are challenging to whoever you are at that particular moment. I think when I was young, I was scrappy, but I was also a runt. So I was relatively small and I grew up in small town, South Jersey. Parents were working class. Neither of them played organized sports growing up. So I wasn't really around. I wasn't around tradition. There was no lineage there. Right. So I didn't have this wealth of knowledge and access to resources. It was just go to your local wrestling club and go to wrestling practice and become as good as you could possibly be. But I wasn't ranked nationally. I wasn't going to all of these tournaments, Tulsa tournament of champions, Fargo, like all these places. I just didn't do it as a young man. So at that time it was, okay, how can I become better? How do I use the resources that I have to improve? Then when I got to high school was, okay, I'm small. How do I develop the intangibles, grit, determination, mental toughness, so I can kind of offset the lack of physical development that I have. Then when I got to college, it was, okay, now everyone's the very best guy from their town, from their city, ranked nationally. I'm a guy from small town, South Jersey. How can I cement myself here? I don't belong here. I'm not as good as these guys. I haven't been doing it as long. Right. And so, you know, overcoming that and then getting to the international scene. Now it's, I've been doing it for so long. I'm a little older. You know, I'm not as fast as explosive, whatever the case, right? A little complacent, mm -hmm. a little lethargic at certain times. And so I think the one thing for me has always been, I've really relied heavily on my mind to be successful. And it, it really has never failed me because my body has grown in different waves. And it was, I was the runt. I had to develop the intangibles. And then I was big and strong, but I didn't really believe. And now I'm getting older, so I'm losing the athleticism that I once possessed. Yeah. And so my mind has always been something that I could rely on. Like, although my body is dying, my mind is continuously being renewed. So I try to rely heavily on my spirit, my mental toughness, and those things kind of keep me in a position of, of power and at every level. So it's been a a long journey, but it's been a, a fun journey. So not to digress too much, but it's funny you hear, hearing you say, you know, um, kind of at this stage in your career, like the new challenges. I remember after the uh, 95 worlds, I'm like eight years old and my, my yeah. dad grabs me and he's doing an interview and he was, he was saying, he's like, you know, when I was young, I would see two opportunities, but I would go like two for two on those opportunities. He's like, now I'm old. I see like five, six opportunities, but I'm like one for five or like two right. for five, you know, and that's like, he's just trying to get to like hitting 40%, but he sees so much yeah, more. Bro, for, for sure. <laughs> it's so reminiscent of what you were just talking about. For sure. And, and you, you, you have to use strategy now. You've got to be strategic. You have to you know, kind of weigh your option. And it's almost like a golfer. Like you're trying to shave strokes off of your game. You can't drive as long, but your layup is special. Your putting game is on point. And I think right. that's how I have to, you know, continue to just become technically savvy and just have a high mat IQ. 
that awareness is really helpful in this sport. I want to get back to talking about your mind and jumping over these hurdles. I want to actually name the hurdles you talked about. And I want to learn how you jumped over them. So you said at a certain point in like high school, it was like grit and determination. Yeah. Then when you got to college and you're like, all these guys are elite. I don't belong here. That sounded more like a mental hur hurdle of belonging and feeling yeah. like, yeah, I, de I deserve success and I'm capable of success. Mm -hmm. And then in this current stage in your career, there's almost this like deep personal honesty with like what you have and what you don't have. And then like taking stock of where your strengths are, even as your strengths change. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, high school, more like your scrappy years and having to develop grit. Like how do you define grit? And then how do you, how did you develop grit? Like where were you weak? And then how did you get better at it? See, that's the thing. I was never weak. I just yeah. was, I needed development. Yeah. And so it wasn't, no one ever particularly manifested it within me. No one, you know, planted a seed. It was always there. It just needed to be harvested properly. Right. And so when I got to high school, I was small, but I was tough. I was always gritty. I was always scrappy. And because I was a small guy, it forced me to develop all of the things that guys that were superior athletes never really had to rely on. And so mm. people in my position, like I was the worst guy on the team my freshman year. I lost the very first night of districts in Jersey. I didn't make it to the state as a freshman in high school. I was 16 and 10. And I just figured that this was a stage in my career and I could get better. It was going to take time, but I, I knew I was committed to it because really it was the only thing that I had. Like mm. I wouldn't consider myself particularly talented in anything else besides wrestling. So it was the one thing that I could cling to and rely on. Like, if I'm going to make a way for myself and make a name for myself, it's going to be within the sport of wrestling. How good can I get at this? That assessment is rare, right? Like I was, I played basketball in high school. You know, I did okay. And I was like, this is great. Like I didn't sit down with this like assessment yeah, yeah. of like, okay, where, when you were doing these assessments, are you talking to yourself? Cause at the time it was kind of crazy for you to be like, how far can I take this? You weren't, like you said, you were like 16 and 10. It's not like you were like yeah. this prodigy that someone's like, okay, he's, you know, you're on the path. Like even that, that ability at that young of an age to like sit and think like, all right, how far do I want to take this? Like, what did, what did that process look like? It was not that special. <laughs> it wasn't like this motivating conversation. It was more of just not giving up, like never quitting. Whatever was required of me from my staff and from my family, I did. And I did it with unwavering attention to detail, like. The one thing that I, I can always rely on and fall back on in my wrestling career is I never cheated. Like I never cheated. I always did it the right way. Right. I always put the work in. I always ran as hard as I could. I always did every rep. I always made sure that I was on time. And I am not as responsible for my success as you know the world would lead you to believe. Sure, like I've worked hard and I've been disciplined and made the right decisions, but you know, honestly, it's just been a tremendous blessing, the position that I've been in, because there's so much of success is timing, a little bit of luck, and, you know, just sometimes the stars aligning in your favor. Nonetheless, you got to persevere through those, like, you know, quit moment. Like, as you're doing this, I'm sure you're seeing friends, people you're training with 
quit at a certain point yeah, yeah. you're not quitting well do you feel like you're not succumbing to that like to that are you one of the questions are you not feeling that feeling which i'm sure is not true i'm sure at times you're feeling like this is a lot but i, I wonder like why you think you were able to turn back that instinct and, and keep pushing when most folks don't when i was young i wanted more when i got older i felt what it was like to be at my best yeah. and i didn't want to go back so, you know, sometimes when, you know, when you're young and you're good at anything, it gives you a sense of purpose totally, of identity. Like people respect you for it. And they're like, damn, this guy's great at this. Like he's a tremendous athlete. He's a great individual. And so you cling to the identity that is provided for you sometimes by the world from being so good at your craft. And once I experienced that, I was always hungry to get the most out of this sport and out of myself. Um, and honestly, like I live for the challenge. I really live for the challenge. So I think that there are certain moments in life that I always think the way that you do the small things or the way you do the little things is the way that you do everything. So I always try mm. to harp on my family, particularly my, my little ones is like, Hey, listen, bro, we have a legacy that we've created for ourselves. That's based upon hard work, discipline, and commitment. Mm. When we have opportunities to do things well, we have to take advantage of them, even if it's small. And there are certain times where we'll fail our mind, you know, like naturally, like we're creatures of comfort. So we're always going to want to kind of dwell on this comfort. And, you know, when I wake up in the morning and my alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m., like immediately my first thought is snooze. I want to sleep in. But I think that for me, I'm always thinking, if this was an opportunity for me to compete at my best, how would I react to this moment? And so I, I always think that the way that I interact and engage with daily tasks that are difficult and put me out of my comfort zone are going to be the way in which I compete. And when I need to draw back on that discipline and to draw from, you know, those difficult moments that I've already established and seen myself through, if I gave into those things daily and that became a consistent habit of mine, then I'm going to give up in the big moment. So I always try to keep myself mentally dialed in in every circumstance. But yeah, it's, it's obviously difficult, right? Like your, your body gets fatigued, your mind gets tired. And, you know, sometimes you want to just eat that donut and push the yep. snooze button and you know, freaking just not go to practice, whatever it is. Like there's certain days, man. Like I saw a great quote from Serena Williams um, one time. It said, there are many days that I don't feel like training, but there's never a day that I feel like losing. And I thought that was such a great quote. What you just said though, this like that the discipline is like transferable. And it doesn't always start at the top and it can't live alone at the top, right? Like you hear Navy SEALs talk about this, like the way you make your bed, it like sets the table for everything, right? For sure. I want to contextualize that like with my own story. Like, so I, you know, you know, you know a decent amount of my story, but I was a high school dropout, uh, went to a rough high school, dropped out of high school, you know, raised in a single parent household after my father was murdered. Yeah. And I spent a, a month at, uh, you, you know him as well, Greg Alinsky's house, doing like an internship with, with Greg Alinsky. And he was at the, in my eyes, he was super successful, right? He had had a successful wrestling career. He, he was now successful. He had a successful Wall Street career. And he just like was running me 
through his morning routine, you know, he would make me get up with him at five, then we'd run a couple miles, and then, uh, you know, we'd <laughs> work out a little, and then we'd go back to the house, we'd shower, we'd read the newspaper, we'd get into the office three hours earlier than everyone, write down our goals for the day, and like, and then do them before the first person's even in the office. That's and so I was good. like, shit, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do what you've done in life, but I know I can do this morning routine. Yeah. You know, I know I can do this thing you're doing every day. And it seems like, like those little things almost hold your hands to the bigger things. That's it. It changed my life. I never, I went back to college. I, I graduated valedictorian in college, started a couple of tech companies, you know, and the rest is history. And now I'm heavily involved in the social justice stuff. And so I, I so feel that. And I think that man is super applicable. It's like, maybe you can't be an Olympic champion, but figure out if you can get disciplined about all these things and then see where you are. I wasn't in a great place like six months later, but like four years later I was. And For like sure. that's that what you just mentioned is what I see consistently from folks is they apply that discipline, you know, down into the daily and that keeps, that keeps everything tight. Yeah. You know what too? I think that one of the things that you realize is like, there's never like this aha, like epiphany moment where you're like, damn, like now I'm really disciplined, really dedicated. It's just consistent effort over a long period of time. Now, all of a sudden you look back and you recognize like, man, look at all of the things that I've done. Look at the work that I've improved on. Look at the progression totally. that I've made and look at the man that I've become in comparison to who I once was. And so that's what I think that you have to teach people, uh, Xander, is I think that that is what I see that most people only teach people to get to the end result. But the big picture mm -hmm. is so confusing. It's a large chasm between who we are and who we want to be. And it's overwhelming to look at the big picture at times. So we teach people about the result, about the fruits of the labor, but we don't teach them about the consistent effort that they need through the process to get to the fruit. So, you know, for you, you were taught, this is the routine of a highly successful man. He didn't take you to his garage and show you his Ferrari. You know, he didn't take you to his office and show you his, you know, corner suite in the penthouse that overlooked, you know, the Hudson. He woke up at five. He went for a run. He read the newspaper. He showered, right? He got to the office early. He showed you the process. He didn't, and that's what we don't, we're not showing people now. Everyone just sees the fruit. Like if you follow your favorite athlete, all you see is, the foreign exotic cars and the chains and the, the money and the women, like, but you don't see the process. So you're like, well, damn, like, I just want the forget the process. Like, I just want the money. Like, get me there. Get me to the contract. But that's a really hard place. And that's why people are so depressed. And that's why we're in a really difficult place because who we want to be is so far from who we are because we don't buy into the process we only want the rewards and the benefits of the work we don't see. I want to touch on something you mentioned earlier, which is actually like this second stage that you mentioned, like in college, I don't belong here. And then you just said at a certain point, I gave myself permission to win. What do you mean when you say I started giving myself permission to win? Well, I never felt like I belonged because I didn't come from history in a great environment or a wrestling powerhouse. And so it took me a long time because there was a point where I started to go into these matches thinking, okay, well, this guy's ranked higher than me. I've seen his name in all of the wrestling publications. So he's got to be better than I am. But then I'd wrestle on like, well, man, he wasn't as good as I thought he was, but I spent the first two and a half periods being afraid of him that by the time I started wrestling, it was too late. 
I had already lost. And so I got tired of losing close to these guys. I realized that losing close to a good guy didn't make me a good guy. Everyone wants to get beaten overtime or lose by a single takedown to the good guys. And they hold that over their heads and they bragging about it. And then tell a story. Like, hey, <laughs> JB only beat me by a single point. You know, he couldn't double leg me. So I'm good too. You know, it's like, well, no, did you beat him? Did you try? Did you take risks? Did you actually lay it on the line? And so I had to give myself permission. Finally, it just meant for me, like, I'm tired of just dwelling in this place where I know I can, but I'm afraid to let it all out because if I try my hardest and it doesn't work out, then what do I have? I always tried to cling to like this little semblance of, well, I could give more if I really wanted to. If I really tried my hardest, I could beat them. And so I just got tired of it. And I realized that my days were numbered and I, uh, I started to really think about it wholeheartedly and to really reflect on my career. And I realized that I could be a guy that finished up his career as a, you know, two-time All-American and, you know, finishing sixth and fifth place. And I could go about the rest of my life and feel solid about my career, or I could really pour everything that I had into this pursuit and see just how far I could take it. And so once I flipped the switch to be great, like I honestly never look back. So from my sophomore year of college till now, that shift in mindset, I've never changed my approach to the sport, how I look at it, how I view myself. Like I've always been confident in my abilities and I've always realized that when I'm at my best, my best is better than anyone's best. Mm-hmm. You know, there's every, at every point in your career, you're always trying to get something. When I was young, I was trying to get a trophy. When I got to high school, I wanted to be a state champ. I was trying to get a scholarship. I got to college. I wanted to, you know, be an NCAA champ and have my banner hung up in the, the Vanny Center here in Lincoln, Nebraska. When I got to international scene, I wanted to gain a following and make money. You know, and now this is the first time where I really feel like I can compete with freedom strictly because I've done it all and no performance, no loss could define me. I'm certified. Right. My legacy is official. So at this point, like, I just, I just want to try to have fun. Thank you for listening to Radical Ones. If you're looking for more content like this, you can head over and be a supporter on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Radical Ones. You can also follow us on social at Radical Ones Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and safe. Take care.